The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com. These are the Writer Files, a tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers. From online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Cal Reed, writer, podcaster, and mediophile. And each week, we'll discover how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. New York Times bestselling author and New Yorker columnist Maria Konnikova took a beat from her hectic schedule to talk with me about her new book and the writer's process. Her latest book, The Confidence Game, Why We Fall For It Every Time, examines the psychology of the con, and the New York Times book review wrote, Konnikova is an insightful analyst of the dark art of the scam. As Forbes described the book, one of the best science writers of our time examines the minds, motives, and methods of con artists and the people who fall for their cons. In addition to her past work as a TV producer for Charlie Rose, Ms. Konnikova has contributed countless articles and essays for The Atlantic, The New York Times, Slate, The Paris Review, Wall Street Journal, Wired, and Scientific American, among many others. In this file, Maria Konnikova and I discuss how to avoid writer's block, why a standing desk isn't for everyone, how to simplify your research and writing process, why writing is hard just like any other job, and the author's definition of creativity. Thank you so much for joining me on The Writer Files, Maria Konnikova, author extraordinaire. Thank you so much for having me. I know that you are in the midst of uh, some very busy promotional work for your most recent uh, brilliant book, The Confidence Game. And uh, I'd love to pick your brain a little bit about your process. Um, So much of kind of what you do uh, is fascinating kind of at that intersection of science and creativity and storytelling. So I'd love to dig in. Maybe for listeners who aren't kind of familiar with your uh, story, could you just give us a little bit of maybe your origin as a writer? Sure. Um, So I, my origin as a writer, well, I wrote 
my first play, I'm, I'm really a playwright at heart. When I was, I think, 10 years old, um, <laughs> I was, <laughs> that I would say is my, my original origin as a writer. I think it lasted about 20 minutes, which is pretty good uh, for a fourth grader. Um, but honestly, um, I studied writing in college, um, and then I worked in television. Actually, I worked for Charlie Rose for a number of years. And then I transitioned to what I really wanted to be doing, which is print and kind of more in-depth feature long-form writing. And I did do both fiction and nonfiction. Um, the fiction has not yet been published. The nonfiction <laughs> has. Um, I wrote my first book. Um, let's see, it came out in January 2013. Um, so I would have written it a few years before that or started writing it a few mm. years before that. And it was about Sherlock Holmes. And for the last two years, I've been at The New Yorker. Um, before that, I wrote for... I had a column at Scientific American, um, and before that, I wrote a blog for Big Think, um, and I've always kind of freelanced along with all of that and have really enjoyed the process of writing books. Basically, I've never stopped after my first one. I really, <laughs> I loved it um, so much. I know there are lots of writers who don't actually enjoy writing books as much as they do, working on shorter things. But to me, you know, the longer the better. Um, I prefer long magazine features to shorter blog posts, and I prefer books to everything. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I mean, you've got just a uh, very impressive rap sheet as a writer. And this most recent book, The Confidence Game, Why We Fall For It Every Time, is just so fascinating to me. I mean, I'm a huge fan of... Um, you know, kind of like David Mamet's work and, mm-hmm. and Ricky Jay and, and, uh, but also just, uh, kind of the psychology of the con and, uh, some amazing storytelling. So kudos on, on the book. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So, um, your writing is just, I mean, you've written for so many kind of high pro- profile publications, um, and uh, where else uh, kind of can writers connect with you out there or find more of your writing? Um, so unfortunately, I'm not as good at keeping my website up to date as I should be. Um, I'd originally, you know, crafted a section of my website where I would post everything that I wrote. Um, and I gave up on it um, I think over a year ago. (laughs) Um, So unfortunately, it's a little out of date. But I do post all of my pieces to Twitter, uh, where I'm M. Konnikova, and to my public Facebook page, which is just Maria Konnikova. Um, And if you want, for the New Yorker pieces, um, all of those appear on my contributor bio page. um, So you can find all of those there. But that doesn't cover the stuff that I do that's outside of the New Yorker. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll link to all that stuff. And um, I did uh, recently find also your um, piece in the New York Times, The Joy of Psyching Myself Out, which I thought was pretty (laughs) cool. Um, Because, you know, you talk more about... uh, that kind of intersection of, of science and storytelling and uh, creativity. So all really amazing stuff. Um, so what are you presently working on? Are you, are you just kind of honed in on um, promotion right now or do you have some other pieces in the, in the works? 
So right now I'm mostly, I am mostly working on promotion. Um, I do have some pieces that um, are closing now just because they've been in the works for a long time. So I have one long piece that I'm really excited about. Um, it has to do, I, I won't, I won't give it away, but it has to do with food. Um, and I got to eat some pretty delicious meals um, as I, as I researched it. So I'm really excited for that one. Um, and I have a few pieces related to cons and to fraud coming out in the next few weeks. Um, one that we just closed for the Atlantic monthly that will be out, um, in, I guess not, not this issue, but the next issue. Um, so since, you know, print magazines often have a much longer lead time, um, than, than online stuff. And obviously my New Yorker column hasn't gone anywhere, so um, I'm overdue to hand in my my next piece. <laughs> so so there are lots of things I'm overdue on. Um, and I'm already thinking actually about um, about ideas for my next book. So um, I, you know, I, I kind of thrive creatively when when I have a lot going on. Um, and whereas right now it's a little too much going on because I can't really focus um, on my writing at all. I do like to have a lot of different projects and a lot of different ideas going at any given time. Um, it really motivates me um, and makes me avoid anything resembling writer's block because there's always something I could be working on. Yeah, yeah. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories Based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again, author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Well, I find uh, your work to be fantastic and Mastermind, the best-selling uh, book regarding uh, Sherlock Holmes and that that process uh, is fascinating and kind of dovetails, I think, the, you know, mm -hmm. when you talk about the value of creativity and imagination and then um, the confidence um, and that, the psychology of the con artist 
they, there seems to be a thread. So I'll be very interested to see what your next uh, project is. And I, I have a feeling that you'll get some interest uh, not only from cons themselves, but uh, maybe from Hollywood, which is full of cons, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, I'd love to dig into your workflow a little bit. What type of, uh, hardware are you using? Are you a Mac user or are you wrapping away on a, uh, like a typewriter over there? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Mac user. Um, I'd love to tell you that I have an old fashioned typewriter that I've had forever. <laughs> um, that is simply not the case. Um, I have a laptop that travels with me everywhere I go. Although at home, um, I often will use a separate screen as well, depending on my setup, mm. um, just because I'm in front of a monitor all day. And I use a standing desk um, in terms of process. And I find that um, I've been doing that for a number of years now. Um, and I really love it. Um, it really, it works for me. I know it doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. Um, do I think it should? Um, I'm not a standing desk evangelist, <laughs> but, um, but I think it, it works quite nicely for me. And what else can I tell you? Um, I have a wonderful program installed on my Mac called Freedom, which blocks the internet for me for as long as I tell it to. Um, and the only way to circumvent it is to restart the computer, which is one more step that I'm usually willing to take. So um, that really helps when I need to get work done um, and need to make sure that I avoid um, that I avoid, you know, all, the, everything that you, one has to avoid these days, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, yeah. um, anything. There's just so much distraction always just waiting to happen. Absolutely. That's a good, a good hack. Um, do you find that you're using more traditional kind of uh, Microsoft Word or do you have some other writing programs that you like? It's a really good question. And I've flirted with writing programs in the past, but to be perfectly honest, I like Word. Um, I don't need any of the other kind of newfangled features. And I find that it's an excellent procrastination tool to say, oh, let me try this new writing mm. program. <laughs> um, and so then instead of writing, you're figuring it all out and you're doing all this stuff. So I stick to work and I actually also do writing longhand. So I also have notebooks um, mm. and I often work longhand as well and then type. Excellent. Excellent. Do you have any other organizational uh, systems that you use to keep everything together. I mean, your, your work is, uh, deeply researched. <laughs> um, yeah, it's called throwing up on a page. Um, <laughs> it works incredibly well. Um, you laugh, but it actually does work incredibly well. So I always, I keep kind of, um, for longer things, I always, even actually for shorter things, I keep kind of this file of stuff where when I find anything interesting, you know, I'll often copy and paste. And I always do that, by the way, with references already, because it saves you not just a headache, but it makes it, it makes it very clear when something is not coming from you so that you avoid the mistake of inadvertently thinking that you phrased something beautifully when someone else actually did that <laughs> for you. Yeah. Um, so I keep all of my ideas there and I keep all of the kind of research links and I create research folders when I'm researching different topics um, that will have like all the papers and references and things like that. Um, and then I don't, I don't really know at that stage what the piece is going to look like. It's just anything that might be interesting, any points that might be interesting, any any kind of strings of thought that arise as I look at something, I used to not always write those down because I think, oh, I'll have the same association when I look at it again. And sometimes you don't. 
So now I just write everything down. And so it's my kind of just, you know, throw up on the page approach. And then, and then things start actually coming out at you. So I start moving things around, deleting stuff, um, adding stuff and somehow or other the piece emerges. Um, I don't usually go into it with knowing kind of what the structure is going to be. Hmm. That's interesting to me because it, your work seems so, um, brilliant, brilliantly structured. Wow. I can't say brilliantly. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, but it, it's great. I mean, it, it feels like, um, you're really leading the reader to some pretty fascinating conclusions. So, well, well I think I let them go on the journey that I take to, to reach those conclusions. So that's uh, why the material kind of suggests the structure to me. Sure. Sure. Um, and that's a, that's a really cool process. So you interviewed quite a few actual cons and victims of cons. Are you using a, uh, also a voice recorder? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I have a voice recorder that I always travel with. And I actually find that the iPhone is a great backup mm. um, in case you need it. Although it's malfunctioned on me a few times in the past, so I never rely on it now. Um, when it said that it was recording and then there's <laughs> apparently some bug it's happened to other people. Then when you hit save, um, it recorded the first two minutes of a two hour long conversation and the rest is, isn't there. Um, <laughs> so, so that, that can be problematic, but yeah, between the two of those, um, I keep, I try to keep records of everything. Sometimes you can't record a conversation and then I take furious notes uh-huh. Um, I try to take notes anyway, um, just because it's very helpful later on. And then I keep a file with all the interviews. I always try to label them very carefully, um, with dates and phone numbers and any contact information because, um, especially for the New Yorker, you know, everything's going to go to fact checkers. So yeah. it's going to yeah. save you a lot of headaches later on sure. if everything is just done in advance. Um, even though it might seem like a few extra steps. Um, and it's actually just good, good journalistic practice. Absolutely. So when you, when you sit down to get into the, to the work itself, are you giving yourself a word count or, um, a certain number of hours? Do you schedule your writing? Um, yes and no. So I don't have a word count. Um, I'm not like Hemingway who had to hit a certain number of words a day. I do schedule time where, nothing can interrupt me. So, so I have, I actually put on my calendar, you know, writing, it appears as a separate thing for chunks of time because, um, it takes me a while to get kind of into the flow. And I really, um, if I get distracted or if, if someone interrupts me or if I have a phone call in the middle there, um, it can be really problematic. So I try to really chunk things together. So for instance, if I have to do a lot of interviews, I try to do them all on the same day. Because mm. even if I have, you know, a morning free, but then I have an interview at two, I find myself anticipating that two o'clock interview and not being as productive because I know that I'm going to be interrupted. And that knowledge of that interview sitting there at two o'clock can mess up the rest of the day. Um, so I try to schedule things as close together as possible. I try to not be kind of out of the out of the office, um, so to speak for, you know, multiple days in a row, if I possibly can and to schedule everything that I have to do outside on the same day. Um, and that really helps me because I like to know that I just have dedicated time where I can get what I need to done because sometimes 
you know, my mind wanders and that's okay. And <laughs> that's, that's actually, it can be very productive, but sometimes it'll take me much longer to write something relatively simple. And yeah. other times I can just knock it out in a few hours. So it really depends, but you want to make sure that you give yourself that time. So that's kind of, that's the way that I approach it. And the only thing I will say in terms of, in terms of structuring the day, um, is, I always try to get stuff done in the morning because it makes me feel more productive and it makes me more productive for the rest of the day. Um, And I do try to avoid social media um, when I'm writing and when I'm really focused on other things. (laughs) So I will often like pre-schedule tweets, for instance, um, and do things so that I'm still present, but I can be absent. Um, I've completely skipped over uh, a couple of question i did want to ask you do you do you like to listen to music while you write or do you prefer silence no silence Silence. um i can i can do silence and i can do cafes whereas background noise um i can do music that's background noise but most music you you kind of listen to it and i find that that really does divide your attention um and i like hearing the words that i'm writing in my head i think that's very helpful Hmm. um and music can really influence how you write um so sometimes that's a good thing but not always well, here's the million dollar question. Uh, do you believe in writer's block? <laughs> um, I'm going to, I'm going to psych myself out, aren't I? No, <laughs> I don't. Um, I, I don't think that there is such a thing. There's, there's what people I think mistake for writer's block is a lack of immediate inspiration. And you know, you can slog through those periods and they might be long where you're not really inspired, but you can still write. I feel like if you don't know what you're writing and you're not feeling inspired and you feel blocked, you just need to write, just write anything, just start writing. And eventually you'll write something worth keeping. And if you throw out, you know, dozens of pages in the interim, that's fine. That's not a big deal. And it's not a waste of time because you write through the block. So you're never actually blocked. I think that's the way you unblock yourself. And so if writing is the way to unblock yourself from writer's block, well, then there's really no writer's block because you keep writing the whole time. Um, I think a lot of people think that they can only write when they're inspired or when they're feeling the muse. Um, And I don't think you can approach writing that way. I love what I do. I feel incredibly lucky to be able to do it and to be able to make a living doing it. And I worry every single day that I won't be able to make a living doing it one day, that our industry will change and that, you know, I'll have to try to do something else. And I don't know what that will be, (laughs) but it's a job. I mean, and I think people need to realize that it's also really hard work. Um, And so, you know, and so you, it's like with any job, are other professions allowed, is a doctor allowed to say, you know, I'm not feeling inspired today. <laughs> I'm not going to come in. So I think, I think you have to, you have to realize that and you have to slog through it even when you're not really feeling, not when you're not really feeling it. Yeah. I'm going to have to use that. Do doctors get doctor's block? Clearly <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Maybe they do. Well, I'd love to pick your brain about creativity, especially kind of to wrap up at least the second part of this interview. I I just want to ask you how you personally define creativity, because you you talk about it in so many places, kind of the value of creativity and imagination and in mastermind and, and, you know, clearly in in the confidence game, there's quite a bit 
um, of creativity involved in the con itself. How do you personally define it? I define it as the merging together of ideas in non-traditional or unexpected or novel or somehow different ways. Um, and these can be any sorts of ideas, you know, it can be ideas from two different disciplines. They can be ideas from the same thing. It can be one idea, but you're, you're merging it with a different kind of concept or you're, you're phrasing it a new way. It's create, I mean, I think it's from creating, right? You're creating something that didn't exist before that doesn't exist in the world before you create it. To me, that's, that's what creativity is about. What do you think? What do you think makes a writer great? <laughs> I wish I wish I knew. <laughs> um, that would be the that's the million dollar question. Um, I think that some of the skills of writing can be taught, others can't. Um, and I think it's I mean, what makes a writer? I, I don't know how to become a great writer. I think what makes a writer great when you read a writer and you say this is a great writer is a writer with whom you kind of you forget everything else. They, the way that they tell a story, you can you can be reading, you know, a twenty-page article and it feels like it's two pages long. It doesn't mm. feel like a slog. Um, it really is something that you want to keep reading, and that you read it and you say, "Wow!" And it can be for different reasons. You know, I don't think great writers need to all be great stylists. Um, I don't think they all need to have particularly you know, original ideas, but I think they all have that storytelling ability in common. Mm. Do you have a couple of favorites right now? Anyone uh, that you're kind of stuck on? Um, you know, it really, it really depends. Um, I, the, the, the phrase right now, <laughs> um, to me is a little, is a little, difficult to deal with because my favorite books, I'm a big fan of rereading. So, you know, I, I read Auden all the time and I always have a book of Auden's poems by the bed. Um, he's one of my favorites, by the way, his prose as well as his poetry. Um, so he's always one of my favorites right now. And I feel that way about a lot of the writers that inspire me um, and that you know, from whom I derive my creative energy. I like to keep reading them. And I actually don't, um, don't necessarily... I, I don't have favorites whom I then discard. I'm of the school that if you're not enjoying a book, you just stop reading it. Mm -hmm. And if you are enjoying it, I really don't care if someone thinks, oh, why are you reading that? It's not serious literature. <laughs> if you're enjoying it, it's great and it's inspiring and it's something that, that keeps you going. Um, so I can, I can certainly name some writers um, who... I, I really like um, if we're talking about or who inspire me if we're talking about nonfiction. Um, one of my fellow writers at the New Yorker, Patrick Radden Keefe, I think is absolutely brilliant. I will read anything he writes. Um, and I think that he's one of the great storytellers that we have, not just at the magazine, but in general. Um, others seem to agree he was just nominated for a National Magazine Award. So I was very, was very happy to see that. Someone like Austin Kleon, he writes something totally different, but he's such a creative inspiration, the way that he plays with different mediums, with different ideas. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's a really, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And it's something that is always 
creatively inspiring. Um, in fiction, you know, I would never be afraid to say that I actually am a huge fan of Elena Ferrante. Um, I know everyone likes her, and so I didn't want to like it, sort of. <laughs> part of me, you know, part of me doesn't want to like what everyone else likes, but I, I really, really loved um, her novels and found that I'd made kind of a new favorite. It re- really reminded me of a book that I loved in childhood, um, which was a similar kind of coming-of-age story um, of a young girl, but in, in, in Soviet Russia. So a very, um, a very different time. But I think that that, I think that that should kind of give you a sense of the different, the different types of things that I love. You know, Michael Lewis, brilliant nonfiction writer, someone who I, who I love looking at and thinking, okay, how does he do what he do, what he does and how can I do that? Um, so there, are, I think I could, and I could go on and on. I think there's no shortage of really amazing writers, both in fiction and nonfiction working today. Well, I love the quote that you, um, used in your New York times piece, the Chekhov quote, a writer must be as objective as a chemist. Do you, <laughs> and you, you have so many great quotes in your work. Do you have, do you have one other favorite kind of hanging over your desk somewhere that you, that you go back to? Um, I don't actually, but there are, I think a lot of quotes that always, uh, that always inspire me. Um, I can't right now off the top of my head, I can't think of one that I always go back to and say, you know, this is this is the quote, but a lot of times I'll go back um, to, you know, one of my favorite resources for writers, which is the Paris Review interviews. You know, mm-hmm. when they published that multi-volume um, work of interviews going back on writing um, through from the beginning of the magazine. If you're looking for you know inspiration about writing. Um, that's a wonderful place to start. Absolutely. Those are a really, really great resource. Maria, thank you so much for joining me on The Writer Files. I know that you are a very busy lady, so I'm not going to take any more of your time. The Confidence Game, um, Why We Fall For It Every Time, is a, an amazing book, chock full of just uh, fantastic stories about the psychology of the con. And um, congratulations on that one, because it's, uh, it's really, really getting a lot of amazing praise. Where else uh, can writers connect with you out there in the world? I think the best place is probably on Twitter, and I'm at mkonnikova. I'm also on Facebook. I have a public page at Maria Konnikova. Um, and I have a website, which is mariakonnikova.com. But as I've already told you um, and admitted to, um, I'm pretty bad at keeping it updated. <laughs> well, we won't fault you for that because um, the work speaks for itself and it's clearly uh, taking uh, quite a bit of your time. So thank you very much for sharing with us and best of luck in all your endeavors. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers. Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Bye.